Okay, so for the first time in its short existence, it's been three years, four years? I think about three years. Three years. For the first time in its short existence, the play-in tournament has produced two first-round winners. And it's funny that the two winners of the series were in the finals in the bubble the first year of the play-in tournament. Go ahead. You got your hand raised like me in school. I just want to acknowledge that I was the first person to say that this is the first time a team from the play in advance. I'm not going to get the credit, but it's on Twitter. <laughs> but <laughs> that ain't got nothing to do with nothing, but I have to just say it. But no, nah, but um, looking at the two teams that won. I didn't think about it, but I didn't think about the fact that it is the teams team from the bubble, though. Yeah. That is, that's kind of weird, right? Nah, it, kinda, it actually is, really. But it's like I say, um, looking at the two teams that won, Miami won in five, the Lakers won in six. six. But they won by 40 in the last game. Dylan Brooks got his 40-piece. But looking at the two teams that won it and looking at how they're kind of built, the Lakers do have their two scorers in LeBron and Anthony Davis and a plethora of other offensively capable players, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, when he feels like playing basketball correctly, uh, Malik Beasley off the bench who hasn't really gotten much many minutes as the later got into the series, but it's still a valuable offensive piece for them. Um Haruchimura, we seen what he was capable of doing all series long. He's a playoff player. Shout out to him. He's ready in the playoffs. And then with Miami, it was more of them playing tough defensively and tough and good team basketball, but relying on Jimmy Butler to get them over the top, which I'm pretty sure he doesn't, you know, he probably would like a second reliable score at all times. And you know, we do got to remember Tyler Hero got hurt in game one. So that does take away a score, and Victor Oladipo got hurt in game four, game three. Game three or four. So that takes away another, if not scoring threat, another person that can handle the ball and play make. But looking up how it looks, like I said, with all that consideration, looking at how these two teams are built, and even with the Lakers, with the, vers- with the defensive versatility they have, are you surprised as two teams who's kind of made up the Lakers – the Lakers, who although also the Lakers, who everybody keep thinking is old because LeBron is a, probably one of the younger teams. If you look at their, they got younger age. with the deal. To, with the deal, may help them get younger and a little bit more talented. But yeah, they're not as old as people, people think. Right? They think because they got the oldest player in the league. league no, old ass LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, wait, what was the question? I was like, just looking at how these teams are made up. Are you surprised they were able to get a wins, especially against the teams they played in Milwaukee and yeah, uh, Memphis? Yeah. That's why I think we got to give ourselves some credit. We talked about this for like weeks, literally leading up to the playoffs, leading up to the play-in, how, and this was before the Lakers even moved into seven, when they were 10, 11, going back and forth, and um, can't say the same with me. I, I, not, not as much for Miami, but more so the Lakers. Uh, and I'm not even picking the Lakers to go no further than they're going, but we kept talking about how when you get in these series and you have these players, LeBron, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, bam, like you like you opened with, they went to the finals already. Jimmy Butler has years and years of playoff experience. LeBron, years and years of playoff experience. And we, we constantly spoke about how hard it would be to beat teams like them. Even we said about the Warriors, and you see they're about to go seven against uh, Sacramento. Shout out to the Bean team. We'll talk about them later. Um, but we said how it was going to be hard to beat these players, these teams, because of their experience in the playoffs. And if you 
gave them the slightest angles, the slightest edge, they would be able to take advantage of it. Um, I think in the Bucks, it was them playing a familiar foe who they put out in the playoffs, kind of know the recipe to beat them. Uh, because I mean, the Bucks won the last time, but they beat they they put them out at least twice. I think Jimmy's put out. This would be the second twice. time in like four years. Is it? Okay, I thought it was the third one. Yeah, or is their third series against them? But he's beaten them before. Third series Either way, he's beaten them before, and we spoke in how, and this, and, and it just helped that Giannis wasn't there. Like anybody not acknowledging that isn't being honest with themselves. But it helps that Giannis isn't there, and then even when he is there, Spo and Jimmy and Bam know what the I feel like know what to do to kind of take away from him, and he's trying to get in rhythm and keep the keep the pressure going. Right. And then on the Lakers side, Memphis coming in hurt. Not, not, not using that as an excuse for them. They got their ass kicked. I'm just, you know, laying it out there. But Memphis coming in hurt, coming in immature, turmoil at the end of the season while the Lakers have been rolling. They've been rolling. And I said earlier on Twitter, like, I, they didn't even beat them for the reasons that I – I mean, the reasons were still there. At moments, Anthony Davis was dominant defensively. LeBron was LeBron at moments in this series. But it was the team effort of beating them because, you know – Memphis didn't have it all together while this team has been gelling and getting chemistry. Um, and then, like I just said, you just got the experience plus the players to take it over the top. In these last couple games, we saw Jimmy hit a game with a shot to go to over. I mean, a shot to tie to send overtime. Which they said could have been an and Should have been, been an and one. And we saw LeBron make that big shot where he is always talking about how LeBron don't take them shots. He don't want to go to the free throw line. He don't want to miss. And he went right at Dylan Brooks when he could have probably passed it because it wasn't an easy path to the basket. Got the bucket and won. And, you know, those are the moments where those players shine. So I think that's that's what was key was teams that were just in the finals, experienced championship coaches. Uh, you know, Darvin has championship as an assistant coach, but championship coach, exposure, Championship player LeBron, even Kyle Lowry, um, I think it just played to their favor. So to me, to you know, end it, I I wasn't surprised. Um, I didn't have I don't know who I chose for those. Series. I'm pretty sure I chose the Bucks. I don't know who I chose in the Memphis series, but either way, I wasn't surprised that they were able to get to to win it. More so in the Bucks series, though, being over in five is probably the more surprise. No, yeah, facts. I was did not see. Even if I I don't I don't even think I picked any series wins outside of like Sacramento and Cleveland or whatnot, but to see Milwaukee go out in five, even you know putting the Giannis injury um, into consideration, I'm still very surprised they would go out like that. Because exactly. I just figured they would have a little more fight as a as themselves being a playoff experience championship battle team. I just figured they would give True, a little was more effort. Was all this year. Middleton's back and healthy. Bobby Portis was sixth man and of the year candidate. candidate right, Brooke, Brooke Lopez, Lopez second defense defense player of the year. No, nah, yeah. So I just figured Milwaukee would put up a little more fight. But I'm gonna hold that thought real quick because I'm John W. Fresh X. And we are the Hoopers. And just like I say, looking at these series, shout. To, I want to say shout out to Darvin Ham first on the Lakers side, who, of course, before the trade deadline trade. Everybody, you know, it was a lot of talks, you know, just for NBA Twitter in general, saying, you know, he should be fired. He wasn't a good coach. Uh, going through more struggles with a struggling head, you know, with the head coaches. Didn't like his rotations. People still don't like his rotations, but I think he's, as a young coach, I think that's always going to be a flaw as right. a young, as a first-time head coach, regardless of the team. Like, what is my staple when it comes to rotation? We know, like, say, with Steve Kerr, like, 
this is my six, this is my seven, eight, nine, I don't know, but I know these gonna be my seven and it might not even get to eight or nine if I don't feel like they gonna give me anything. So I think Darvin Ham was still just trying to figure out his way as a coach. And once you gave him a team that, I feel like the team now fits him more than the team at the beginning of the season. You got versatile defenders like Vanderbilt, um, Hashimura, who's a pretty solid defender, Anthony Davis, uh, like I say, then D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, who able to create off the dribble as shooters or playmakers or whatever. LeBron is still LeBron. So I think Darvin Ham, just as a first-year head coach, is, was working his way through it and trying to figure out what best suited him, and he just didn't have the roster the roster construction for that. And like I say, looking at Miami, can't be surprised they got a win because, like I say, once again, playoff tough team. And I think more than anything, I don't think people give Bam enough credit for being able to guard Giannis at times one-on-one on the perimeter or in the post because he's strong enough and he has good enough lateral movement and good enough on his feet to where he can do that. And I think that always gives Miami a big advantage against, not a big advantage, but gives them a counter to Giannis knowing you can throw Jimmy and Bam at him one-on-one or box him in with those two because they both provide strength and length, no homo and whatnot. So... But just looking at Milwaukee, I know, you know, when they came off the championship, a lot of people were saying that, you know, Bud, but Josh should still get looked at, should still be under fire. With everything that you take in consideration with just this whole season, we know Chris Middleton was out for the majority of it. They had a bunch of different starting lineups because Drew missed some time. Brooke Lopez did miss some time. Giannis missed a little bit of time. Getting, you know, Joe Ingles wasn't necessarily playing a bunch at the beginning of the season. They was kind of working him in as the season went on. Signed Jay Crowder late. Get the Giannis injury, but he still come back and plays. If you're Milwaukee, how are you looking at Bud's job right now? No, I think that's a question a lot of people are going to be wondering. Like, is Bud on the fire? Is he on the hot seat? And I honestly feel like his job isn't in danger, like, Eden at all. I think that championship bought him, like, three years. Like, five And they know they kind of got to sit, especially with the Drew Holiday trade, where they yeah. traded a bunch of picks, so they don't really right. have a lot of things to trade to redo this roster. Yeah, I think that trade bought him, like, four, four to five years, honestly, <laughs> unless they're just terrible. Um, like, honestly, this year, I know Milwaukee went on that. Remember, they went on that stupid run Crazy in February. Run. They didn't lose a game, I believe, but... I never was really high on Milwaukee this year. Um, they always, I, like, I never thought they were going to the championship to be honest. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. I take that back because I said it was a good chance when they were on that run. I definitely said it was a good chance we were going to get Bucks Suns too. But it was just something about the team that just always was kind of weird this year. I and mean, Middleton missing so much time. But I definitely said, had tweeted Bucks Sun too when they was on their crazy run. Took over the best record in the league. Um, but. I don't think I think they have to have a really bad year, regular season and playoffs. Finish three, four, struggle in the playoffs for Bud to be out of there. I think this looks ugly. I also think he's gonna. I think he's gonna get a really big pass for the fact that Giannis only played in two games, um, and sure. that two games is enough to turn the series back around. Giannis is. To some people, the best player in the association, but uh, and even as good as he looked, pausing and points on those games, he still kind of looked out of rhythm. He still kind of you know trying to figure some stuff out, and especially right. against a Miami team that's 
rolling. Jimmy's rolling, focus locked in. Um, but I don't think Bud's job is in danger at all, honestly, uh, as of now. But you have to start looking at the shelf life of this team, though, because, all right, you won a championship. 2020, 2021? 2021. 21. So we bought, what, two seasons? Uh, you know, yeah. Warriors won last year, they won the year before last. So it's like, all right, you didn't win the next year, you lost in the second round. This year, you do it in the first round. So it's like, all right, we are starting to go backwards. So I do think you have to kind of figure stuff out, like how Jimmy was able to attack them. And Drew is a, is a good defender. Um, and he made Jimmy take a lot of tough shots, in my opinion. Like, Jimmy's a tough shot maker. He's from that mold, from that. He would have fit in well with that era of tough shot makers, the Kobe's, the McGrady's, the Iversons. Like, he's one of he's one of those guys. Um, but I think you got to fill out that roster. Like, I thought they thought Jay Crowder probably was going to do more for them. I don't think he played this season. Yeah, I don't think he got, like, I think he got, like, four straight DMPs. Yeah, cause, uh, so – you gotta figure out what we're doing with this with this roster. Because Brooke is getting older. Um, I mean Chris Mills had a major injury this year. You still was able to stay afloat during the regular season, but you saw what they were lacking offensively. Um and you're not just getting by with this Giannis is the best player in the league thing, because I mean the league gets better every year. And their roster is pretty I mean little tweaks, but it's pretty much been the same since they won the championship, right? Like that's fair to say. Yeah. So it's like the only player they've added over this well, not the only player, but the only players they've is. added over this run is Bobby Porter's, Drew Holiday, and um Joe. I'm saying since they won the championship, because they were on the Oh yeah, this team. oh yeah, it's been the same team last yeah. year. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, they added Joe Ingles. They added Joe Ingles. They added Joe Ingles. They lost that, Dante DiVincenzo. That matters. Right. That matters. Yeah. But it's like, all right, we won the championship with this team. Then we lose. Then we lose again. We ain't really made no roster changes. It's time to shake up their roster a little bit. Not for sure. And, of course, I know it was, been, was a big talking point after the game. was um the Giannis, you know, of course, the Giannis press conference. You know, There's no was, failure in sports. <laughs> you know, was this year a failure? <laughs> I just want to look at the whole thing as a whole before I really get into it because, of what course, like you say, the whole quote. That's a, you know just the whole situation because, like oh, you yeah, say, yeah. Um, they do lose at five. Like I say, Giannis did miss couple, yeah. basically missed two games. No, he only played two games. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he only played the two games. Three, three. Out of the, you look at the last two losses; they were both fourth quarter comebacks from Miami. One, one with the winning in overtime. Facts. Like I say, Jimmy Butler was making tough shots, but he was making tough shots on everybody. Like out. They, like not only on everybody but from everywhere he shot 77% from the field just in just at the rim alone where you had probably would think that we have three of the better rim protectors and Bobby Portis when he decides to play defense the defensive player of the year Brooke Lope, Lopez, which we, we called capped on that all season <laughs> we was not buying into the and, and uh, there's no hate shout out to him for finishing top three I don't want to hate on him but we called cap on that all year like come on man stop playing and of course Giannis answer to Copo who has won a defensive player of the year before like I said, taking all that consideration and taking in Giannis' quote, you know, when him saying this year isn't a failure because they haven't won, they didn't win the championship, or because they got put out in the first round. Can you give him a pass on that statement? Truthfully, like I said, he only played into, like I said, he got to take everything into consideration. The injuries, like I said, them losing two fourth quarter comebacks, even I think we still get the Giannis thing with you know him just doing whatever Coach Bud asking him to do and not doing 
what's competitively competitively the right thing, and that's guarding the other team's best player more. That's a trend. Be Jimmy Butler. That's happened a few times. We've talked about that before with Jimmy Butler before. <laughs> <laughs> with all that being said, could you consider? I don't want to say fade because failure does like you know being away from a couple days away from the statement that does seem a bit harsh. But do you think? Do you think this? <laughs> do you think at the end of the day this year was? A letdown or disappointing moment because, like I say, they had built up some momentum as the season one was going on. Uh, even with Chris Middleton being out out the lineup, Drew Holiday was also was the second All Star on this team. With Giannis had the best record in the league. Is this a letdown to where it's like all that you know personal stuff shouldn't even matter in these quotes for real? Because like, dude, you play a you you play in a competitive job market. Right. I think, uh, like, I wasn't – I feel a few things. Like, I think he was annoyed because the same reporter asked him the question before, which, whether that's fair or not, I feel like that had a little bit something to do with it. But clearly him and the reporter is cool to be able to call him by his name, by how he did. He, he wasn't I, – I really feel like he wasn't trying to demean him or nothing like that. Like, he was, he was frustrated, obviously. Right. But he was, he was – I feel like he talked to him with respect. Even in the, even when he was like, you know, I'm not trying to personalize this with you and stuff like that. So I do want to give Giannis some credit for that. And I, I understand what he's saying about their steps to success because he's he's right. Kobe has said the same thing. I've been saying it all on my timeline, so might as well acknowledge it. Kobe said something similar about, you know. Kobe also yeah, said that, that's what I was going to say. He, is a failure as well. But, yeah, he also said trying to reach that goal, trying to win the championship, they failed in that. So I think you – I think – it would it have been okay for Giannis to say the season isn't a failure, but it definitely it, it was disappointing. It was a letdown. We didn't reach our goal because that's still acknowledging that you didn't get to where you wanted to go, and I don't think he should get a pass for that because I gave him the pass already for saying, all right, he only played in two games. But they did have to lead in the fourth quarter in two of those games. You extend the series, you get a chance to advance. So... I'm not. I'm not mad at him saying, "Oh, he doesn't look at it as a failure." Because I also think that's players trying to get away from. We've been on this for a couple of years now. Oh, I'm not miserable if I lose, type of right. thing. And no, I think right. people want pe- people want players to be miserable if they lose, breaking stuff, throwing chairs, and everything. And as an older player, maybe you like that younger. But as the older players get, especially after if they won, after they won, I think they understand how to separate themselves a little more. But with that being said, you have to acknowledge, whether you want to call it a failure or not, I'm not going to call it a failure because it's not one of my goals, so I don't feel like it's my right to say that they failed. But I can say I felt like they had a disappointing season. I think that's fair for me to say. And I think it would have been fair for him to say either that or at least acknowledge that they didn't reach their goal because at this point, with this team, with that player, you're only playing for championships. And it's not a failure to not win the championship. It's a failure to not give yourself a better chance to compete for the championship. Cause that's like what we talk about all the time. We, I don't. It's hard to make. It's hard to make it to the NBA Finals. It's hard to win the NBA championship. I, I think the most pressure you can put on a team is we're trying to win the championship. But our main goal, not our main goal, but we need to at least make the conference finals. When you got a team that has the best player in the association, a championship coach, roster been together a couple of years, multiple All Stars on the team. Uh, multiple, all uh, whatever, whatever you want to give them, 
I think that team that team doesn't lose in the first round. So you gotta. I think it's okay to acknowledge. Within learning, it's step to success. It's also okay to acknowledge we didn't reach our goal this year, but we're gonna come back next year. We're gonna play better. We're gonna execute better. We're gonna be smarter. But gonna call a timeout next time when my team is scrambling. (laughs) But I don't. I I think I don't think he should be given a pass. Even though, like I said earlier, I want to acknowledge it. He only played in two games, so I mean, you come back down, what you're down is like, you're already playing with your backs against the wall, but I mean, great players. I've always said it, and I stand by great players, figure it out. Sometimes they, you know, you don't, everybody has lost, so. No, yeah, right. Unless you Russell. No. So, like, everybody has lost RP, real Russell, but it's like, you got to acknowledge, though, that y'all didn't reach our goal. Um, now, outside of saying this step to success, be real about it too, because that's how you no, get yeah, to success. Sure. I think that's kind of my thing. Like, I, I feel like, and it could have been an earnest answer from him. It could have been, you know, that's how you really feel. I just feel like, especially when you bring up the Jordan thing, because I don't feel like people are going to put context to it. It's like, no, you know, he didn't win every year, which was the whole thing. I don't, I don't want to make this a big thing about Jordan and LeBron. But that was the whole thing about, you know, LeBron going to the championship eight, you know, eight consecutive years, Jordan only going to six. Why does Jordan matter more? Because every time he gets there, he wins. Whereas, like, y'all just giving credit for LeBron to get there. Shout out to him for that, not taking that away from him. But you can't put – I don't think you can put him getting there and losing over somebody getting there and winning. And I think – feel like him throwing out to Jordan, you know, nine years was a failure because he only won six. I think that's taking too much pressure off yourself to ask for a pass, regardless if you feel that way or not, honestly. Right. So, yeah. But y'all got to come back better. That's all right. Whether you failed or not, you didn't reach the goal. Oh, yeah. But I want to go over to Memphis, who, and we ain't got to be all Memphis law, you know what I'm saying? But this year, we talk about the winners first, which is what I want to see, which is what we always do. No, always, yeah, you always make yeah, it sure. a point. That like I didn't even necessarily want to get on Milwaukee. No, you either. didn't. But people need to do that on Twitter because I've seen more about Memphis than than the Lakers, surprisingly. And it's like let's <laughs> talk about the winners, which we always do on the Hoopers Pod, which you always make it a point to do on the Hoopers Pod. No, for sure. But like I say, over to Memphis, like you brought up, you know, in, in the intros and whatnot, they are. This was a very. It seemed like they progressed. Immature. It seemed like they progressed. You know, deep digressed, regressed. I mean, yeah. to with their with their maturity level. I feel like there was a more mature team last year, but you know, of course, you do have to throw yeah, the Stephen Adams missed the end of the year. Brandon Clark missed the end of the year. John, Those are leaders. Brandon Clark, you know, was in college for multiple years and came in a grown man. Stephen Adams is a grown man. So no, nah, and they are more big bodies who you could throw because the Lakers got bigger as the season went on once they made those trades. So you're like more athletic and Brandon Clark is an athlete. No, nah, right, they needed that. But Memphis, who you could say, you know, regressed, especially certain players. I don't feel like Desmond Bain had the full breakout year that a lot of people thought he could have. I know a lot of people thought he was, couldn't be the first-time All-Star this year. Shout out to Jared Jackson winning Defensive Player of the Year, but I still don't feel like he's expanding his game as much as he could offensively to really help out John. The, I don't want to go too hard on Dylan Brooks, but I don't feel like he's become the 3 and D player that they've needed him to be, especially if you're not going to have another big-time offensive perimeter player with you with going with your star and job, even though you can say that's Desmond Bain, but I don't feel like he's consistent enough for that. Uh, 
Ja for all the good that he does and some bad that comes with a lot of that good. I don't think Taylor Jenkins got the most out of his team that he could this year, especially just keeping their heads straight to get, you know, to get the, you know, to reach their goals, which could have just simply been going to the Western Conference Finals this year. Looking at this team, Dylan Brooks is going to be an unrestricted free agent going into the offseason. I don't know what Desmond Bay contract situation is, but I'm pretty sure he's still on his rookie contract. Yeah, this is his second, third year? So, uh, I think he's going into his third year. Okay. Might be going into his second year, though. Um, I mean, his fourth year. Jared Jackson, John Morant, you kind of figure those are the cornerstones of your team. What is it that you want to see Memphis do to correct some of just the season long problems they had? Um, Brian Luke Kennard back. Uh, even he didn't play in this game either. That's why I was going to ask. Did Luke Kennard play in the last yeah, game? He, he didn't play. I forgot what his injury was, but they he, he didn't play. Okay. Because um, his shooting helped this team. But And I'm not even – like, Luke Kennard got to be more consistent overall too. Like, when he's on, he's on. But it would be a lot of that. Like, he don't go cold. And, you don't want to shit on those runouts. But I think he works for this team because I think he understands who he is. I think they got to add offense. I said it to you earlier when we were just talking. I was like, if they got a chance to get a body base, I hope they draft them because they need some scorers on this team, like some people that can go get their own bucket uh, without job. You need – if Bang – and Bang averaged 23 in this series, but his shooting numbers could have been much better, 42% from the field, 32 from three, but 23 points per game, right? You need Bang to take that next step next year. You need Jaron Jackson to take that next step offensively. He had a big game one. Remember, he was like 31 uh, game one, uh, something like that, 32, 30. It might have been more than that, but I, I know it was at least 31. But they need him to be more consistent with what he can do offensively for this team. Um, get some better post moves, like simple post moves. They don't even got to be – you just need to be able to put a small person on, on your back, drop step, and dunk on them. Uh, I think Taylor Jenkins' job may be looked at more than Bud's. Not that he's necessarily going to get fired this summer, but like you said, the team did kind of regress. And after John's whole suspension rehab situation, I just feel like they weren't the same after that, really, honestly. Uh, so I think this summer Memphis has to figure out all right, what direction are we going in with these players? Right. Is Bane the guy next to Ja? Or because I think you I think I'm okay. I'm okay with Ja and Jaren Jackson. But do you that. look to upgrade Bane? You know, shooting guard in Washington, if he can stay healthy, I think he works there. That gives you some offense. Give Washington a young guard. I think it works. Uh I've heard some people say some stuff about Siakam, but I think you probably have to move on from Jaron Jackson to do that, or Jaron Jackson goes to center full-time and you move on from Steven Adams. I think Memphis, like I understand waiting on Bang, but I would look for a big fish. And if I can keep Bang while doing that, cool, but I wouldn't. Like if I had an opportunity to trade Bang for Bradley Bill, I would do it. Huh. Maybe even DeMar. Huh. Uh, maybe, would I trade him for Zach Levine? Like, I would train for a guard who I know is going to bring the offense every night, and I can live with how he's going to do the offense. And that can get a job because Josh has taken – Josh way more of a scorer than I thought he was going to be. And sometimes it's just kind of out of necessity. Like, he's the main ball handler. He's attacking the paint. 
and he's just gonna get shots up sometimes. But they need to me a real like a certified scorer. They just need a bucket. Even like Chris Middleton is, is he? I think he's a free. Is he restricted? Yeah, he's a he's a, he's no, not restricted, yeah. but unrestricted. Or yeah. I think maybe he got an option. If he got an option, yeah, he got an option. Oh, he's gonna take his option because his option is forty million dollars. Ain't counting his money. He's gonna get get paid like Young Dolph said, but. Um, they gotta add offense. I think I think the defense is cool. I think the defense is cool, and I think you understand where you were lacking defensively. But upgrading the offense is what I would be trying to do, and I wouldn't want to gut my roster. But if I had the opportunity to get a player that's been an All Star multiple times, that's led the league in scoring, that's been All NBA, that's twenty point per game career score, I would have to look at it. See, I would be. You know what? Just thinking about that situation, you know, whoever it may be, if they decide to go out to Austin, I wouldn't have a problem with Memphis trading, you know, young death for over-the-top talent because they've been a top-two seed, and it's like exactly. they need something to put them to the next level, whatever that may be, whoever that player may be. I don't know. I feel like Brad is exactly like Bane, but he's better. And it's no guarantee that Bane will be as good as Brad is now, and Brad isn't the – I know he's not the 30 guy that he was a couple years ago, but if he had to just score and had a point guard like that, I think he could still be 25, 26 a game. And I don't think Bang is going to reach even what Brad was. You just need Brad to be healthy, which I've been on him about a lot um, as far as him just not. But if he's available, I don't okay. think Bang is ever going to be as good as Bradley Bill was. And that's no disrespect to Bang. But, but like you said, they're ready for that, honestly. But it has to fit within the team. No, yeah, that that that's always that has to fit. I can't think of no like big like would you, if you would want to move off of Steven Adams or Jaron Jackson like because you got to think about people who are available who you realistically trade for. Um, and I think the hottest names this summer is gonna be like Fred Van Vliet. It's gonna be Pascal. It's gonna be Brad. It's gonna, Probably Jalen because he's Jalen Green. But like Jalen for Devin Bain, I think it's backwards because he young. He ain't ready to. Ready to take off like that yet? I, we can talk about that another time, but I got a theory. Why? Yeah. I got a theory, but we can talk about. I still got to see more from him, honestly. I know what he looks like he can do, but I need to see him do it more. But players like that, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown look good in Memphis next to job. I'm just saying <laughs> that that I actually like that more than Bradley Bill, and I want Jalen Brown to come to Atlanta to bring him home. But Jalen Brown look good in Memphis. Not for sure. I want to take a quick break from talking about playoff basketball to. Uh, Shout out Paolo Banchero for winning Ricky of the Year. Yep. Of course, I don't care what nobody say. I don't care what team you covered, so you decided to give that player a vote. Paolo has been Ricky of the Year since he stepped on the NBA court back in preseason. I don't think this was a much debate. Shout out to Ben Mathurin down in, uh, in Indiana. Shout out to uh, Kessler Walker in Utah. I don't think either one of them actually had a chance. Paolo should have been unanimous Ricky of the Year. But looking at his rookie season, of course it was good for, you know, not even just by rookie standards, but it was just a good season and all. But what would you like to see Paolo come back and be better at while you also giving him his credit for having a good season this year? I think, uh, and speaking of Ben, it's a shame that that man didn't finish top three because Walker Kessler, is that his name? Kessler Walker. Utah, Kessler Walker. Walker. Kessler. I know it's two of them. One was in Brooklyn. Well, he's in Sacramento now. He got two last. The guy in Utah, he got a first place vote, and that's the only reason. He got one first place vote, and that was enough to put him over Ben, which this was Paolo and Ben all year. Like, 
it was them two. It was a two-man race. I don't care what the final three was. Um, but I think next year, going to the next year, like I think Orlando's gonna have a more competitive team. Um, so I think it's just being more efficient and learning to pick his spots more as a scorer. As they added everybody back, and then obviously the weight weight of the season, you, you saw him go through his his rookie lumps and have a couple of tough offensive scoring games. But he was a juggernaut when they needed him to be when he had to carry that team. So now it's like, all right, how do we stretch it out through the whole year? Getting easier shots, um, getting cleaner looks, and just being more efficient overall. And I think that's what he, he wants to do. Um, and that's the next step for him. I think he's going to, you know, take his rebounding up. And some people thought that he could be, you know, a really good playmaker, which 3.7 assists a game is pretty good for a guy that they didn't really require him to, you know, to playmake, especially at once they finally got all their guards back. But, like, I can see Paolo being a 23-7-5 guy. Mm. And I'm still on – I think in two Not years. Not nature, just in general for us. Just in general, but yeah, just in general. I can see him 23, 7, and 5 in general. But I still see him in the next two years within his first three seasons making the All-Star. And um, like I think Orlando is always the if on health. But if they can truly have a healthy season next year, I think they play in contenders. No, with sure. the roster that they got now before anything they do. If they make any crazy changes, we'll revisit. But uh, – I think they'll be. I think Orlando got a good chance to make the play in. Shout out to Cole Anthony. He, he was working out at OT <laughs> yeah, the other day when we was doing our run. Shout out to him. But now, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think um, whatever Orlando's success depends on Paolo in the future. Shout out to Jamal Mosley because I feel like once he actually shout got- out Jamal, I, un- uh, I disrespectfully called him out when I didn't understand their injury report because they had a crazy lineup. <laughs> in and I think Franz was running point. And I was like, what are they doing down there? But all of his point guards was hurt. Like Jalen Suggs was out, Mar- Markel Fultz was out, Cole was out. Uh, Terrence Ross had to be a star. And then Andre Hampton's just not an NBA basketball player, so I don't blame him for not playing him at point guard. <laughs> but shout out to Jamal. He's going to be – Just that – like, I feel like just that – right, just that creativity and this is what I have to work with. It might work, it might not. And just looking at this whole well, – Orlando the best player hands. We're going to lose, we're going to lose like that. No, yeah, just looking at this whole team, like just looking at this whole team, of course we always – people always talk about the guard, you know, the guard tandems. You got Trey Young, um, DeJounte Murray – Chris Paul, Devin Booker, for better or for worse, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden. There are usually some emphasis on wing type, you know, combos or the you know the three four type combos. We don't hear it enough. But do you think Franz and um, Paolo is a good you know combo going into the next few years, especially when you look at Markel Fultz as their point guard? Like they both can they both can score. Franz is a you know was a great playmaker, like say running a point for them. Both can rebound. Would like to see both of them get better as defenders. But do you like Orlando's foundation kind of being built around those two and what they bring to the team skill set wise? Yeah, Francis kinda he really grew on me this year. I didn't know Tony Kuko, man. Yeah, I can see it I can see it in them though. And I think they both understand what they do well and they don't get in each other's way. I think they can actually complement each other pretty well. So I think those two as a foundation it's great for Orlando going for both six nine players. So it's like we build around these two big players that can shoot, can handle the ball, can pass the ball. Uh, they're both going to be willing defenders, and that's the man that's to continue to be willing defenders and have that culture around the team because they're going to follow them. But yeah, I think those two are a, a really good, solid foundation um, to have. Uh, yeah, for sure. Hopefully, we get a healthy season for Markel Fultz as well next year because I feel like. 
he's what brings it all together as another scorer and playmaker on the perimeter for them. That's what Paolo has said too. He's like when Markel, you know, when he came back, that that changed a lot for them. And if you look at their record, they became more competitive. They won more games because Markel is going to attack the paint. Um, he's going to bring it defensively because in a league full of the best athletes in the world, he's right at the top of it. Like, and that's with all these injuries that he's had. He's still like dumb athletic. He's way, he's super strong. He's way faster, I feel like, than he looks. Uh, crazy hops still. Markel is a crazy athlete. No, for sure. But, <clears throat> excuse me, back to playoff basketball, we do have a game seven. The only game seven of the playoffs so far this year, Golden State of Sacramento, who's been a very entertaining series, you know, none of the least. Kind of contrasting teams, you know, older veteran team against the younger, you know, against the younger, I guess, I don't want to call them inexperienced, but the younger inexperienced team. Both, you know, both teams are led by good experienced head coaches. What has been, I guess, it's hard to say. I don't want to ask you what's been the difference in this series between the two teams, but just looking at Golden State, and look at the success they've had over this run with this core. What's been the difference between them this year and any other year? Just looking at how they've been against uh, Sacramento. I think Golden State this year, even compared to last year, can't rely on their bench as much. Um, I feel like that's a main, a main starting point because, I mean, last year, and it's never, to me, not even just like the strength of numbers team where they're playing eight, nine guys, maybe not every night, but these two, three play this night, that two play that night. But even like last year, they got really big minutes out of GP2, Otto Porter Jr. Um, um, I'm missing somebody. Of course, you know, Jordan Poole coming off the bench. And I feel like that's kind of lacking this year. Uh, I feel like they never replaced Otto Porter's minutes. And he didn't even play no minutes this year. Shout out to him. He just picked up his player option. (laughs) I feel like they never replaced Otto Porter's minutes. They were so bad at replacing GP2's minutes. They went and traded for him while he was hurt. Failed his physical and almost didn't even, the trade almost didn't even go through. That's how bad they wanted him back in. He hadn't played all year. He's a main rotation player for them again. Playing well at that. I'm not saying he's not playing well. But that's how bad they missed his minutes. They went in like, all right, we got to go come back. <laughs> um, and, oh, I mean, because overall, Steph has been Steph, 31 a game. His three-point percentage is a little down this series, but 31 points per game. You, you got Wiggins back. He seems like he's in rhythm overall, playing big minutes for you. Clay, I feel like he's been pretty good this year. Jordan Poole, he was inconsistent to me last year, honestly. His big moments just were big, but he was inconsistent to me. He didn't have the greatest finals ever. So it's not surprising to me that he's inconsistent. But you're dependent on him so much more because you're not getting those two, three corner threes from Otto Porter or, or you know, the um, – It's somebody else that was in their rotation last year. I can't, I can't think, think of who it is either, but it um, was somebody else. Right. So – and I feel like that that's hurting, that's hurting them a little Iguodala? bit. Iguodala, yeah, because his minutes haven't really been replaced either. Because, uh, I mean, it's not like he's really playing Moody. Uh, Kaminga's not really playing. Kaminga's playing six minutes a game. Um, so, I think they're just missing some of the – some of the bit. And it's not even about everybody performing the same night, but at least knowing how he's performing tonight. He's performing, you know you're going to get something out of, out of these guys. And 
Honestly, I think Sacramento is just really good too. Like, no, yeah, facts. I, I don't think take nothing away from it. I think right. Sacramento's super good. Um, like when De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk are both going 26 and 28 points in their win last night, it's hard to stop them offensively. Um, De'Aaron Fox, first clutch player in NBA history, and and Malik, he's been 20 a game off the bench, and I think that's been huge for them. No, for um, sure. But I feel like Sacramento more than any team like them or as close to any team like them that's had this success. Like, I think they fully know, fully know who they are. They're young. Uh, if you want to put the young tag on them, they're young. They're not afraid of anything. They know how they want to play. Um, and Mike Brown is empowering them to play their games. Like, I love how he constantly tells them, let it fly. <laughs> let it fly records. No, for sure. And like I said, even with all that being said, Sacramento has not only challenged, you know, Golden State, but they got basically got them on the brink of being eliminated in the first round since, you know, this team has been winning championships. Right. Yeah, the last time they got put out in the first round was 2014. Uh, like, unless you count the play-in. Yeah, unless you, you know what I'm saying, the play-in was just death and some G-leaguers. Nah, yeah, you know, right. Literally, is any of them guys in the NBA right now, no disrespect, so. are any of them guys in the NBA. I don't think so. <laughs> but like I said, Sacramento has done – been so good challenging Golden State and what it is, you know. I don't feel like go. I don't want to say Golden State feel like they should have won this series already, but I'm pretty sure Golden State, if they're going to win this series, would have like not have won the series in seven games. But Sacramento has been so good. Like I say, Mike Brown is letting them play. He's, you know, he's coaching them to be not only competitive but to be winners. It's like we not we don't have to be happy with a third seed team. You know, we can actually win the series. Why can't we go to the conference finals? Uh, shout out to shout out to the Beam team. I don't who idea was that? Can somebody please yeah. answer me? Who, who, who brought the Beam? Who's genius idea that was? This team in the league trying to figure out and what was, their thing is gonna just be. A different sport, did. real quick. I don't know if you saw, but did you see New Era told MLB to tell the Braves to stop wearing their big home run hat? Really? Yeah. Like if I'm like, why aren't y'all figuring out a way to sell this? Yeah, right now. Yeah. That, I always hate on that line. But that's, whatever. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Especially the Braves. I mean, they just won a championship a couple of years. You want to be in business with them. Like, whatever. Yeah. But, like I said, Sacramento isn't scared of anything. And just with that, you know, fearlessness and, the, fearlessness and that youth, do you think Sacramento has a real chance to make a conference finals run if they can beat Golden State in Game 7? Yeah, I think so because I don't think they're going to be afraid of the Lakers. Um, I think it helps even with Golden State. You're playing in playoffs teams that you play in your division, so you've seen these teams. Um, but it gets different in the series, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they're gonna back down for the Lakers. I think their offensive output, like the Lakers aren't gonna want to. I said the Warriors don't want to run with them. The Lakers really don't want to run with them. And then I gave credit to the Lakers, like they're. It was a complete team effort and win this series for the Lakers. LeBron averaged 22, AD was 20, I believe. Austin Reeves averaged 16, Hachimura was 16. No, uh, uh, I think D'Lo was like around 16. They, like, they, the numbers were really close across the board. I don't know if that consistency is going to continue against a team that's put together, know who they are, and aren't in as much shambles as Memphis is. As right. You know, Sacramento's going to have it more wrapped together. And that's even with De'Aaron Fox having this injury. Um, I think they have a good opportunity to make the conference finals. Um, I think a lower seed advancing, I think that puts them in a better position. 
I think I feel better about them playing um, the Lakers than Memphis, honestly. Mm. Memphis being younger, Ja getting up and down with them. Like, Ja probably had like 35 in that series. He, he's going to like to run. He's going to run with them. So, yeah, Sacramento got a good – I'm actually – I think Sacramento's going to win game seven. I think if they're going to lose, it's going to be game six, down 3-2, Warriors at home. That was the game for the Warriors. That was the, that was the game for the Warriors to put them away. I felt the same about the Lakers. Like, I honestly felt like if Memphis won that game, they probably win game seven because you kind of throw that pressure back on them. Um, but I, I think Sacramento have a great chance to win, and if they win, I would pick them to beat the Lakers. Nah, for sure. Like I say, that is the only first-round series to go to seven games in the playoffs. Got to get one game seven. Right, they gotta always be one game set, but we do have. Do we have a sweep? Did anybody get swept? Uh, no. Yes, uh, who did feel that Brooklyn got swept? Yeah, Brooklyn got swept. That's always right. But besides that game, you know, that being the last first round of the playoffs, you know, series, you know, going on, we do have a bunch of game twos getting ready to get started over the weekend. First game two tonight. Yeah, we got a couple tonight. We got Phoenix. Not just Phoenix tonight. Somebody else playing? No, because this should be Golden State. Is no, no, go say play last. Right. Yeah, so it should be Phoenix and it should be, I think Philly. I gotta go look at the schedule game. I'm pretty sure it's Philly since they already so they got the sweep. Oh snap! So is Joel? They that's how they say he doubtful. Yeah, he got Joel's doubtful for game one in that series. But looking at the games, some of these uh, second round matchups, like I say, Denver, Phoenix, Miami, uh, New York. Shout out to old back. Shout out to the old NBA. Um, Philly, Boston, shout out to the All-NBA. <laughs> right. That's crazy. Even, even oh, man, Sacramento Lakers, this is the All-NBA. Shout out to All-NBA. Oh, right. snap. I didn't even think about that. But looking at some of these matchups. Wow. That's amazing. I know, right? Yeah, I, we need to be in marketing for the NBA. Whoever picking Drake. Even, even Nuggets it should, Phoenix. I can see Nuggets that Phoenix, in 2007. No. It should only be throwback jerseys worn in these series for only. all the teams like that. <clears throat> but looking crazy. at these second round matchups, which one is the most intriguing and which one has to be has a chance to be the most surprising as far as the loser goes? Most intriguing. They're all kind of intriguing to me. The most the one I'm watching the most. Alright. I'm interested in the Heat Knicks. Mm. Uh, Cause the Heat have a good chance of winning, but I think the Knicks might win. Mm. Knicks are in the conference finals twenty. I think the Knicks might win. And that'll be that'll be big for them. Uh, but I think they got a good chance of winning. I think Jaden Bronson is gonna be a problem and I don't know if Miami has anybody that's gonna solve it unless Jimmy's gonna guard him the whole series. Like who? Who? You know, Kyle, Kyle Lowry's a respectable defender, okay, but yeah. I think Kyle Lowry will fit better with athletes, not a more calculated, get to his spot type of. I think some player. of that. I think him being a slightly bigger point guard helps a bit, though. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a little tougher right. for Jalen Brunson to shoot over. Yeah, because Jalen Brunson, like even just he like to go to the post, old school Jason Kidd type of thing. I don't think I think Kyle Lowry gonna have enough. Yeah. Side. I think Kyle Lowry gonna be big enough to kind of counteract some of that. Yeah, because you know he's gonna stay in the mid range. But I think that's gonna be a huge series. I know people want to see Jimmy perform in the Garden, um, so that's gonna be big. But I feel like Nuggets, Nuggets, Phoenix might be what I thought Clifford's Phoenix might be like because. The offense is going to be there. The names, you know, Joker, Jabal Murray, Michael Porter emerging, KD, Booker with back-to-back 45-point game, 45 and 47. Chris Paul picking his spots. Um, I think that's going to be a really good series. Um, 
I really wouldn't be surprised. I can't say I, a, a surprising loser, honestly, because I could see anybody winning any. Like I could see Philly or or uh, Boston winning. Even though I'm picking Philly, I could see Philly or Boston winning. I could see Miami or New York winning. I think New York wins. Right. Um, but I would not be surprised if Miami won. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami won. That one quick, not a sweep. If they swept them, I'd be surprised. But like if they won in five, I wouldn't be surprised. Five tough games, five to six. But I think the Knicks win overall. Uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, and then, and then even coming out of Golden State and the Lakers, uh, Sacramento, whoever plays the Lakers, like I think all of these series could, could all either go the other way. I don't think there's no overwhelming fail, overwhelming favorites. And that's kind of been the story of the NBA this year, right? Oh, for sure. And, of course, as we know, the playoffs, the main talk is always going to be about the star players. Which star players been playing the best? You know who's the best as far as the star players go. They're always gonna get the mention because that's where the tape starts. That's the foundation, and that's usually how we either gonna win it with we either gonna win it with this player. Or we're gonna lose it with this play with this player. These players, but if you look at a lot of the teams this year, especially their success as far as the playoffs been gone, they've really like you said with the Lakers emphasis on the Lakers, especially their role players have really been made. You know team efforts. And role players are always important, especially when you get those ones who are playing confident, you know, whether that's the starter coming off the bench. The Lakers have two right now. Three even with D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, uh, Hachimaru, um, the Nuggets, because I wouldn't consider him a star yet, but with Michael Porter, Catavius Caldwell, Pope, uh, Bruce Brown, um, like I say, Boston, Michael Brock, just six man of the year. Marcus Smart, depending on how you look at him, Al Horford, the Philly, <laughs> Shout out to Dez and Justin, James Harden as a super supporter, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, PJ Tucker, and uh, like I say, Miami and New York. Shout out to their star players who are, you know, all the best players on those teams, but both of those teams are comprised of we gonna support each other if we keeping it real. Right. Who's supporting cast is gonna play the biggest part as far as these second rounds? So even with like say Golden State and their struggling second unit and Sacramento, when you bring in a player like Malik Monk, Trey Lyles, who I've never respected as a basketball player, but shout out to him for I ain't gonna say respected, but I've never been how Trey Lyles, but he's really improved this year and been a good stretch forward for them. Uh, but who's supporting cast as far as these second round matchups or possible matchups? Do you think is going to be the most important, and who you think could be a standout player as far as a role player goes? Uh, I think Miami supporting cast is going to have to stand out the most, honestly, uh, just because they're lacking so much. They're lacking twenty points per game with Tyler Hero being out. So you're going to need Struce to be on point. You're going to need Kyle Lowry to be on point. You need Bam to do what he does. Um, but if they advance, the player that I expect to stand out again is going to be Malik Monk. Like, mm-hmm. coming off the bench and what he's been doing. I, like, Malik Monk has really been important for Sacramento, but they got to get through that series. So, to pick somebody that's already advanced, somebody that's going to play a big role that's already advanced as a role player, I think it's Josh Hart. Josh mm-hmm. Hart's probably going to get Hart. the Jimmy number. He's going to yeah. get the Jimmy number a lot yeah. in this series. They need to be efficient on offense, to be calculated, to be patient. Um, I think he plays an important role in the Knicks advance. I feel that. And I'm glad you said Josh Hart because I had another player in mind. But Josh Hart is a good pick, and I feel like Josh Hart should be on everybody's radars as probably as you know who's going to be a good playoff performer. 
But I think Michael Porter has a chance. Yeah, Michael Porter, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, I think Michael Porter has a chance to uh, show what he, who he really is as an offensive player. I know we see him and he is, I don't think we talk about it, but Michael Porter is probably one of the best seven shooters in the NBA right now. Like, that's just three-point shooters. The numbers say Like, but I think, because he's going to have a matchup with KD a lot, you know, um, when Aaron Gordon doesn't have him. So he's offensively, isn't he? they're going to ask him to not match KD numbers because they don't, you know, he's KD. But I think they're going to ask him to, if KD is going on a run, we can't have you go 0 for 4 in a five minute in a five minute stretch. We can't have you go scoreless in quarters because we know what Jamal Murray and we know what Jokic is gonna do. Jamal Murray is gonna try to you know off bet. He's gonna basically offset whatever Booker does and give him a chance. Jokic is gonna be Jokic. Everybody else is supporting players. Aaron Gordon, of course, is an X factor because of what he does defensively and his versatility and what offensively whatnot. But I feel like Michael Porter is gonna be the one who's gonna be asked to take his moments more seriously or be ready for his number to be called a little more because they're going to need his offensive perimeter scoring and just his offensive versatility score to go against KD on the perimeter like that's going to be his main offensive matchup as far as, you know. You think Aaron Gordon going to get KD? No, I'm saying as far as like. Who's going to guard him? Not as far as the guard, but we know what KD output is going to be. We need you to kind of give us a similar output as far as numbers go. Not necessarily he's guarding him, but he, I don't think they can let KD go and Michael Porter don't go. Yeah, as far now, as I'm They're saying. gonna definitely need him to be efficient, which he always is, right? But, you know, he averaged like 16 a game. I'm looking at it now. He averaged 16 a game in the first series. I could see them wanting him to get that closer to 20. You know, he shooting, he was 49 from the field, 42 from three. You know, keeping those same numbers because you are going to need his offensive output. And that may tip you over the top is having that because you know they're, they're not going to necessarily be sending him doubles. Um, so, I, and I'm just trying to think of who's going to defend him. If it's going to be KD or if they include like Torrey Craig or yeah. a Kobe, like he's shooting over them. He, no, like, I was about to ask you that. Would you like to see – because I know that's been a one thing – uh, with Michael Porter, that everybody would like to see him be a more focused and willing defender. Would you like to see him take that challenge of guarding KD? No. No? Not this series. <laughs> we'll let you get that next year. We're going to let Aaron Gordon do that. What I want you to do is not let Tory Craig guard you. Like, I want you to not be afraid of the matchup because it's going to happen naturally. But this ain't the time to be fine. Your inner defender. <laughs> We don't want this man to average 40 out. No, yeah, but no, you, you answered my question. That's all, like, yeah. like I say, I don't want Michael Porter minutes to save empty against KD because we know exactly. KD is going to ball. Because his offensive output is definitely going to matter with what – because Aaron, Aaron Gordon is not by that. No disrespect Aaron Gordon. He's not finna average 25. He, yeah, he's finna average 25. So, if you know that you're getting – like this last series with Aaron Gordon. He was 13 a game. You don't even so, realize that. Exactly. So, that 13 a game doesn't – and KD is averaging 27 without breaking a sweat, 25. Without breaking a sweat, so you you need the output out of Michael Porter because you know you're not gonna necessarily get it out of Aaron Gordon. You may get a game where he scores 20 because his value isn't totally put into the offense. It's you know, facilitating, playing defense, rebounding, and you know just being aggressive overall. Right. Um, so yeah, his his you're definitely gonna need his numbers, uh, Michael Porter. And I think it's a good chance for him to show people that he he do do those type of numbers though. He is one of those players. That he could be dependent on. He had he had a couple of big games, and uh, I'm surprised. I thought his average would be a little higher, honestly, because 
he had a couple of solid games in, in that first round, but they weren't, you know, shout out to Ant-Man. He wasn't going to go down, uh, you know, he wasn't going to just lay down, but, you know, Minnesota wasn't really the challenge for them, so this is where they really. This is where they really need him at, right. Yeah. But looking at Phoenix, and, of course, like I say, I feel like Phoenix has what I've been calling over top talent, especially when you just look at KD and Book alone. Do you think their lack of bench production is going to hurt them this series, though, or could potentially hurt them this series? I think they they do definitely want to lean on the bench a little more. I think their lack of using the bench has been a little overstated. Because, playing on basketball? Yeah. Like, <laughs> only team that's not – like, everybody's playing their, their main players' heavy minutes, except for, like, Sacramento. But, and even Fox is playing – Big numbers, but everybody's playing big numbers. Everybody's playing forty minutes. Everybody's playing. Yeah, would these speed off? I would just say because they don't really. But no, it's numbers. it's a valid question because in this series where you you know Bruce Brown's gonna play hard, KCP that's a champion, and that's Atlanta. He's gonna show up. Um, Michael Porter, you know he's from Atlanta. He's from the city. He ain't no outsider. He's he from Carter the city. Baby. He, he he went to school in Carterville. He's from the city. He played with Atlanta Celtics. He oh, Celtics. oh, oh my bad. Yeah, he's a real Celtics. Celtic. He's from the city. Uh, <laughs> He definitely went to school in Cartersville, though. But he's from the city, for real, though. But KCP, what he's going to bring, Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, you're going to need, even if it's not deep into your bench. It's not For me, it's not about going deep in your bench. But it's about those players being Rich for their moments. Yeah. Like, I think you, you don't got to worry about Torrey Craig. And I know he want to get back at Denver. and Because um, he, he probably think he should still be there. Right. But um, I think, like... Having Damian Lee and Landry Shaman shoot the ball well this series is going to matter more now than it did in the last series. Because last series, it's like, all right, y'all got Kawhi, you got Norman Powell, you got – like, these aren't these are shooters. That's a healthy diet of buckets. So, you just need buckets. So, I'm going to give you KD and Booker. Who's going to give you more buckets than them? But this series, you got to be a little bit more strategic, I feel like. So, having those shooters make their shots, I think, matter a little more. Um I don't know what's campaign's injury, but definitely you need something as far as a backup point guard. Um, right. So I don't know what's campaign injury though, but I don't, so that's something you have to think about. But they brought in Terrence Ross, who hasn't really played. Much hasn't really played. Guard. You got T.J. Warren. I think these are guys that may get more of a look against Denver because the Clippers also wasn't going deep in their bench either because. Like, I'm not about to play in these minutes and Devin Booker and KD's on the court at all times. Like, I'm not not gonna play with them guys. So, I think even in this series, both sides uh, lean on their bench a little more. No, yeah, that's facts. I get get what you're saying, though, because, like I said, either Shaman, like you said, I don't remember what game it was, but it was like Shaman was over two, Damian Lee was two for three. He got the minutes. Because you're picking between Shaman and Damian Lee. You know, Bismack Biombo is gonna play because he's your only big off the bench, bench only right. real big. And then um, Okogie's playing, and then it was a uh, it was between no, that was it. Okogie was coming off the bench. You know, Okogie was playing. You knew, um, and you knew Bismack was gonna play. And then it was a toss up between Damian Lee and um, Shannon. But I think in this series, it's a good chance you see, if not both. One or the other between two. I think there's a good chance we see Terrence Ross. Yeah. Because like, I feel like a bigger guard is going to help against KCP and Bruce Brown. We know Bruce Brown got uh, Inspector Gadget arms. Right, yeah. So you're going to need that more. But I think this series also, Aiden got to hold his ground because he's going he's gonna to get the call. Back to back MVP. Yep. It's going to be on you. 
Um, and remember that championship round, he did a good job against uh, not that when they won the but when they went to the NBA Finals, fight. he did a good job against Jokic in the second Jones round. <laughs> but he did, he did though. So since you know that you've had success there before, whatever type of success it was, there was some success there. You gotta kind of lean into that and try to bring it out again. So I, I like Phoenix. I think this is gonna be a good series. Good chance of going seven. I think it's over in six though. And um, looking at looking at Philly, Boston, like we said, Joel Embiid, Dolphin for game one. So whenever we put this out, the game is going to be going on. No, uh, Philly played Monday. It's only played Monday. Today. Oh, so yeah. when we hear this, you know, when y'all hear, y'all get a chance to you know decide for yourselves. But of course, you know, Boston had a little extra, you know, going on in that series against Atlanta, which extended that, which gave Embiid a little more rest, which is probably why he's doubtful and not, you know, they say he's not out. But how important how important is it for Boston to take control of a series where one of the most dominating offensive and defensive players isn't a hundred percent? They gotta do that quickly because I think Philly feel like they could beat them, and you know we've been seeing Boston and Philly in the playoffs for a couple of years now. Um, they both got their lick off against each right, other. Right, they both they both have have had wins more so in Boston's favor more recently, but I think this Philly team. Is more confident than ever. Probably going back to those earlier teams. Um, and if you, if Embiid is out, or clearly he's hobbled, I think you got to go at him, kind of see how hurt is he. Can you get him in foul trouble? Because that's 33 points that you're taking off the court. Ten rebounds, two, three blocks. Uh, you you got to go right at that and you know challenge his health and see what you got and. Um, I think you got somebody like Al Horford who will be up for that challenge. Like Al Horford is a gamer, uh, but you're gonna need Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to attack him as well if he plays in game one. What is Embiid's injury? I forgot. Yeah, I forgot what it was too. But speaking of J, I'm glad you brought up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who when they're at their best, Boston looks like they could win a championship. They're unstoppable. All those words you can think of, however you want to describe it. But sometimes they go through those little lulls, and we've seen that in those two losses, and even in that tough game six victory against Atlanta to where they just kind of – I don't want to say look out of it, but they just get out of rhythm out of nowhere. Like, I don't want to say this because I don't want to feel like I'm disrespecting them as competitors, but sometimes I don't think they still understand how big these moments are to, like, we better than y'all, we better than y'all, like – I don't think they understand how important those, how important that is. Every game for 48 minutes, even looking at the regular season and how they have bad losses against Philly, like you said, you gotta know that you gotta need them both at their best and to be at their best at all times. What is it that you want to see from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that you haven't seen so far in their playoff careers to help you know, like say, let the people know like. We're not trying to play. We're trying to actually go back to the championship and win one. Show, yeah, and it's just like show some dominance, especially like how you started the season. Uh, you know, they let Milwaukee catch up to them and, and take their best record away from them. But show that, that dominance on the perimeter, uh, getting to the paint defensively and offensively. I think they, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both have to be a problem for Philly, like 30 a game for both of them and show them that – they don't really think they're their competition. Um, you got to kind of put them back in their place. And, you know, Embiid has said that, you know, they kicked their ass because they kicked their ass the last few times. So I would come out instantly and be like, yeah, it's not different. We're going to continue to do that because 
I think we all respect their talent, but we still, at least I speak for myself, I'm still waiting for them to get done. I don't know if to get it done. I don't know if I truly believe that they're going to get it done. And you do got to have those moments where it's like, yeah, y'all just not good enough to beat us. And and that's where you prove it at. And Boston should be right up at the top. No, for sure. And just looking at Philly, like I said, Embiid healthy, Embiid, as long as Embiid in the lineup, we know what he's going to do. I think we kind of figure out what who Tobias Harris is at this time. We shouldn't expect a 40 We shouldn't expect him to be what his paycheck is. I ain't going to mention the money because it gets mentioned enough, but we know what it is. I, st- I think this series is going to be perfect for P.J. Tucker because I feel like players like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, he likes guarding, especially Jason Tatum, who's going to be more perimeter-oriented off the dribbles kind of stuff, even just shooting jump shots. I feel like that's what he wants. That's how he, Those are the players he want to play against. But how important is it for some of these smaller guards to Philly to establish a little bit more toughness and not just you know being shooters, even just defensively? Because Boston is bigger than Philly perimeter-wise. If you really look at it, I exactly. feel like that's where their biggest advantage is going to be. So how important is it for Tyrese Maxey, DeAnthony Melton, Shake Milton, even James Harden, who's compared, you know, in general to Boston size, yeah, he's 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, like, Boston got some big dudes on the perimeter. How is it important for them to accept the physicality and kind of take it back to not let the referees take them out of this series? I think it's definitely important for Philly, especially Maxey in particular. Um... You want to establish yourself. You want to be able to play your game, be aggressive, get to the paint, move in transition, because that's all going to open up his jump shot. And for James Harden, like, I definitely don't think you're going to get the benefit of the calls, and they're going to put Marcus Smart on him. Marcus Smart is going to play both of them. But you know he's going to be aggressive. He's going to be physical. And I don't think this is one of those times where you're going to be able to look to the ref to bail you out. So you just got to go right back at them. Sure. Go at them first, you know what I mean? And take it straight to the basket, put them in the mid-range and get your buckets. But Philly guards definitely have to be aggressive and not let ball. Because like you said, they have size paws everywhere. Because even you got Brodden coming off the bench as a 6'4 and a half, 6'5 almost point guard, long, stupid long arms. And all, other than James Harden, who's what James? What's James, 6'6? Six, six? All the Philly guards are kind of mini. Because, I mean, Shake isn't super short, but he's he, he's skinny. And then Tyrese is – I mean, he's tall for an NBA guard. But, I mean, he's tall for a regular person. But <laughs> Tyrese, he's probably my height. 6'2". What is he? he I don't believe he's 6'4". He can't nah, be 6'4". I'm pretty sure nobody – I'm pretty sure James Harden is the only guard on that team that's taller than 6'3". But just because you're undersized, you still got to show him that you're going to get to the free throw line and you're going to attack the paint, especially Tyrese Maxey in particular because that's his game, playing in transition. And, you know, it's playoffs in Boston. You ain't getting no calls up there. So you got to take it in there aggressively. But I guarantee you it'll open up their jump shots. No, James has been terrible at the rim too, so – Make some layups, get some confidence going, right. and you know, because they're gonna need that, especially if Embiid misses any type of time. No, yeah, I can. De- I definitely give it to me. Like say, those guards are definitely, especially Tyrese Maxey, because I feel like he's gonna be the one that's gonna be able to get off the dribble the most without using a pick or any kind of extra assistance. Because that's you know he's quick like that, but he's also gonna have to be strong finishing and going going like I said, not only just getting in the paint, but going up strong to where. You have to make them call those fouls for you where you get Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and all those players, Derek White, in um, foul trouble. But other than that, you got anything else for this episode? Um, 
Shout out to the Las Vegas Aces. I just seen their new like headquarters and their facilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Crazy. They going to a whole nother level. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned it on the show or not, but I met a Doka guy hired uh, in Houston. So that's going to be interesting to see because I don't think I may is a developmental coach. And apparently Jalen Green is on the trading block. Yeah, that's their trade. potential to get a, a star. But mm-hmm. I mean, who was, what's, what's the star? But All right. I, I would want to put a star with him, honestly. But I'm not so, like I said, and that's he's on the block to potentially get an established star because is I may a developmental coach? Did he. You're not going through a rebuild with Ame. Why would he? I mean, I guess you're going to take whatever job you can get after the way he went through. Um, but I don't think he want to go through a rebuild. But uh, either way, shout out to that man for getting a coach. They needed to expose the woman who had his situation with because it was a work issue, but only one person got fired and they both did something wrong. Unless something new has come out and he did some sexual misconduct, they both should have been fired. Uh, dang. Was there anything else? Shout out to KD signing that lifetime contract with Nike. Don't one of three people to do that. Him, LeBron, and Michael Curry. Jordan. Yep. You know, they put out them KD three all-stars earlier this year, which I still won't shout out to my boy Kobe. Uh, Josh, he, he he said that he got him, but UPS got him for him. <laughs> uh, but shout out to that. That lifetime KD contract is crazy. And that do mean ratio is coming. You know, I, I was heavy in the sixes and the eights. Um, I like the threes and I like the fours. I like I like a lot of shoes. I'm actually about to get a new pick. I'm, I think I'm gonna go ahead and get these 15s soon. So um, I like that these guys are getting these deals because I mean it only makes sense. And I think R.P. Kobe, if Kobe was around, Kobe Bryant, I think Kobe would have gotten. I don't care what nobody say. He was gonna sign a lifetime. Yeah, contract. I think he. I think he's gonna sign a lifetime contract. It's just I don't care what nobody. Yeah, uh, he was not. He was. It just it just it just made sense. I think he. Was, I think Kobe was gonna get a lifetime deal, but it's only like. Even outside of Nike, I can only think of like five athletes with a lifetime. Like Iverson got a lifetime deal with Reebok. Steph has his lifetime deal with Under Armour. And I feel like that's where it ends. Steph, LeBron, KD, Jordan, Allen Iverson. Uh, Dwayne Wade with Ling Ning. He got a lifetime deal over there. So um, shout out to that. Building your brand at Nike. Never had an official deal with Nike. We don't usually endorse people. I'm not endorsing Nike, but I am Team Nike. But either way, to end all of that, appreciate the supporters as always. Uh, people have been clicking the link, and we've been doing some numbers. So definitely appreciate everyone that, you know, because you take five minutes or you watch the whole show, you can just watch the beginning or listen to the beginning, whatever. Appreciate anybody that listens. Um, you know, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Spotify and Apple Podcasts are the most popular places, but there's other cool places you can listen. Just go to Google and literally type in the Hoopers Pod. You're going to find everything. That's us. Go to YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the Hoopers Pod on YouTube. Just search the Hoopers Pod on there. Twitter at Hoopers Pod. Instagram at the underscore Hoopers IG. You know, you know, Instagram is full of bots now, so I don't even use my own Instagram as much. Except reading the group chat stuff. Uh, but other than that, that's all I got. With that being said, I'm John W. Fresh X. And this was the Hoopers Pod.